Thanks, Thanks Britt. Jed. Well, typically at this part of the service, I welcome everybody in the building, whether guests or regular uh, attenders. And then if I can remember, I'll uh, say hello to our online viewers. Well, that has totally changed. So welcome online viewers. You're your top priority today. I think we have five people in the building this morning just so that we can pull this service off. So uh, tell us what you're doing right now. Where are you? Who are you with? Are you drinking coffee? Are you in your jammies? We just want to know. Put those up on our comments right now. And before I get started, I just want to encourage you to follow me on Facebook or follow our uh, Facebook page at Sunridge because every Monday I'm gonna be posting Message Monday. I'm gonna be recapping our message and then posting a few questions where we can interact a little bit on Facebook. On Wednesdays, I'm calling that Worship Wednesday. And uh, I'm gonna post a song that's helping me get through Hump Day. And maybe you can tell me some of yours. And then every Friday is Friday Pray Day. And I'm gonna be putting up a prayer either from scripture or a personal prayer that I write. It's just ways that we can remind ourselves that we're the church, even though we're not together. So thanks a lot. Hey, be, uh, as I get started here, I wanna ask you, do, have you thought recently about the difference between interruption and disruption? You know, an interruption is uh, just a break, a simple break in continuity, uh, but a disruption is a total dismantling and usually drastically alters uh, the order of something. So a few examples, like an interruption is when you're talking on the phone with a friend and your child asks you a question, but if that child throws a full-blown tantrum, headbanger on the tile, that's a disruption, and it will require you to hang up the phone, right? Uh, if, the, if the World Series gets rained out a game, that's an interruption. But if an earthquake happens and the series is canceled, that's a disruption. If your babysitter cancels on you, that's an interruption. But if a virus cancels school, that's a disruption, right? And it's an interruption if you close one of the hallways in your church while you're renovating, but it's a disruption when you close the doors for eight weeks because of COVID-19. This, this is a disruption. It's an upheaval. In fact, that idea has really been uh, rolling around in my brain as I've thought about this. This is a lot like an earthquake. It's shattering. Uh, we're still counting the losses and determining damage. And the topography is changing due to aftershocks constantly. This is changing things. And this is our new normal. And it seems like it's our turn. It's our turn to be not interrupted, but disrupted. And you know, in this, in this country, we're not used to that. We, for the, for the most part, when you compare us to many places in the world, uh, we escape disruptions like this. This is the good old USA, and I love this country, and I love the people here, but the fact of the matter is we've been blessed in ways that has enabled us in the past to avoid disruptions. And we don't like it. Can we all just agree that we don't like disruption? In fact, from where you are right now, say that out loud. I don't like this. Type it in on your comments right now. Type, I don't like this. Because we don't like disruption. I've really enjoyed how uh, many of you are finding your sense of humor 
in this, and I pulled a few memes off from uh, online. One, I love this one. Homeschooling is going well. Two students suspended for fighting and one teacher fired for drinking on the job. <laughs> How about this one? I can't decide where to spring, spend spring break, the living room or the family room. And then this one uh, is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, if you can remember elementary school when you took a potato and you stuck uh, toothpicks in it and it grew roots, uh, somehow this toilet paper core is going to grow roots and we're going to be able to grow more toilet paper. In fact, did you ever think uh, how different the world is going to be just, just in the way we think about toilet paper? We're never going to think about toilet paper the same after this. This is... This is a disruption. Now, maybe your feelings, if you're honest, are a lot stronger than just, I don't like this. I know that for some of us, this is more than inconvenient. It's more than boring. Um, it's stressful. And it's keeping you up at night. Some of, some of us are angry about our situation. And some of us are worried about getting the flu, and then others of us, are, our worries are far beyond the flu. We're worried about if we're going to be able to pay our bills in a month from now and what our future looks like. Do you realize that almost everyone that you know from the Bible has a disruption story? Just think of any name in the Bible that pops out in your head, and they likely have a disruption story. I also want to point out that they have a story of recovery through God's faithfulness. See, the thing that, that disrupted their lives changed them so that God could do something that he could not do without the disruption. Think about Moses. He goes from the cushy palace of Pharaoh to sitting beside a well in a desert. Think about Joseph, who goes from favored son to a pit in slavery. And he trades in his coat of many colors for wearing, crime, wearing chains for a crime he didn't commit. Think about Esther, who goes from being the pampered queen without a worry to being banned from the king's presence and having the weight of her people's survival on her shoulders. Think about the disciples. They go from being in the in crowd with the popular rabbi to looking like fools. And think about the Apostle Paul who goes from being a respected professor at Pharisee University to being persecuted. I'm sure they didn't like it. But don't we all agree when we think about those stories and the, the people that are associated with those stories can't we, as we read about them, can't we see how through the disruption that God brought in their lives, God did something not just good, but he did something amazing. Their new normal was better. And that new normal was catalyzed by an incredible disruption. In fact, disruption is often used by God to shape us. That's true, isn't it? We often quote Romans 8.28. We know that in all things, God works together for our good. That applies today, too. 
You've heard the saying, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. In fact, Kelly Clarkson saying that so well. So what do we do with this disruption in our lives since it's our turn? How can we learn from it? What good can come from it? Better, what can God do through it so that our new normal is something better? That's what I want to talk about today. How we can take the disruption that is in our world today and we can create a better new normal for us, for our families, for our churches, for the people that we love. Now, to start talking about that, I have a word that probably isn't part of your regular vocabulary today. It's lament. Now, I didn't say lament like in Sanford and Son. The word is lament. When is the last time that you said lament in a sentence? If you've used it recently, put those comments in right now. Let us know. How, how did you use lament recently? Lament defined as a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. It can be caused by illness or loss or regret. It can be emotional. It can be spiritual. It can be physical. The, the way, really the first thing I think that we have to do, if we want our new normal to be better because of a disruption, is we have to lament the loss of disruption. Lament the loss of disruption. Now, by that I don't mean we lament that disruption is gone. I think I could have worded this better. But what I'm saying is we're not meant to go from disruption and the pain that that causes to pure happiness and butterflies. And often we try to flip our tragedy or our loss too quickly. And lament it's part of our human experience as, as image bearers of God. God made us with emotions. God has emotions. And when our lives are disrupted, it elicits all kinds of emotions and feelings from us. I think about the Israelites when they were conquered by uh, Babylon around 600 B.C. And the Bible describes their feelings and emotions as as being lament. They went from God's chosen to being refugees. They're in exile because of sin, in their case. And as a prophet, the voice of God to the people of God at that time, Jeremiah uses the word lament. He writes about how sad it is. In fact, one of the books that he wrote is called Lamentations. And he writes that it felt during that time as if God had turned his back on them. In Jeremiah 4.8, Jeremiah says, Put on sackcloth, lament, and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned away from us. And it must have felt like they were experiencing the coronavirus. In Jeremiah 9.10, Jeremiah says, Take up a lament concerning the desert pastures. They are desolate and untraveled. And the lowing of cattle is not heard. The birds of the air have fled and the animals are gone. That kind of sounds like quarantine and social distancing, doesn't it? If you know the history involved in the exile, you know that it was that 
disruption in the nation of Israel and the lament that they felt, the loss that they experienced that turned them back to God. Lament is a necessary part of leading us to what we need most, God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I wonder if most of us who truly need God's comfort never fully experience the comfort that God has for us because we never stop and lament or mourn the losses. Some of you right now are saying, wow, Britt, this is really helping me. But I want us to stop and just acknowledge that there's loss in this pandemic. Obviously, there's loss of health and families are losing loved ones. There's loss in the stock market. Many of you have canceled your vacations and plans. If, any, if anyone in your family has had a graduation planned, if anyone was a senior in high school or college, you know that that's pretty much gone. My son-in-law, one of my son-in-laws was due to graduate with his master's degree from the U University of Miami. Go you. And um, we had planned as a family to go down and watch him walk. We were so proud of him, and that's all called off right now. There's loss and isolation, and I know that all of you introverts are loving that right now, but us extroverts are experiencing the loss. I've been thinking lately about small businesses and how they've had to close their doors. I've been praying for small businesses, in fact, because it's a huge loss to their families and employees. And of course, there's the financial impact on families. There's great loss in this, impact, in this pandemic. And I have to tell you, like, I'm often afraid. I'm waking up at night. And I have a, my worry list that I spin through. The truth is that we don't like to make this stop. If we're on the freeway of life and we're just zipping along, we don't say um, to the person driving, hey, up here there's an exit to a town called Lament. And I want to make sure that we hit that because in the AAA guidebook it says it's a charming little village full of grief and sorrow. Nobody ever says that, right? But yet there's something that God does through lament. C.S. Lewis wrote that pain is the megaphone of God, that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. So the best thing for us in this disruption, it's not just to suck it up buttercup, but to grieve the loss. And we also have to let others do that as well. Because lament is often the precursor to something good. And that's the second thing I want to talk about. If we want our new normal to be better because of this, this disruption, lament causes us to turn back to God, to deepen our faith, through the disruption. See, the disorder of disruption creates chaos in our life and in our schedule, in our minds, in our hearts. 
And it, when that happens, we have to ask ourselves, what are we designed to do as, as the image bearers of God? We're designed to return to home base, to go back to God, to, to what is most important. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 55, 17, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. And then in the next psalm, Psalm 56, 3, he writes, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Now that statement, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you, is not just a reminder. I know that here the psalmist is probably thinking out loud, but it I also see it as a declaration, a declaration of how to process the fear and anxiety that results from disruption. It's like the psalmist is saying, I am going to do this. In fact, wherever you are right now, just say that out loud. I will trust in you. Type it in your comments right now. I will trust in you. Stand on that and declare it. You know, let's be honest that some of us in a great economy with our health, we've kind of drifted. And maybe you're listening today and you haven't been in church in a long time. Maybe if you're honest, you would say, I've, I've taken the goodness of God and I've taken God for granted in my life. But, you know, a disruption gets our attention, doesn't it? A disruption tends to turn us back toward God. And sometimes a disruption can even help us to see our need to repent, to turn around, and to change our lives. You know, the Bible says that trials refine us. They make us better. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter 1.6. He says, For a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, the imagery here Peter is using is of the refining of metals. And if you're, you're probably familiar with this, but ore is crushed and then it is heated and the impurities rise to the surface and they are skimmed off. And sometimes faith works that way. I'm not saying that God brings the trials in our lives all the time. I think he does bring some. But trials come. The world is broken. And it's during that trial that God can refine us and he brings things to the surface that we need to skim off. So it's not just in the time of disruption that we need God's comfort or we need his assurance, but we also need what only God can do in that disruption. And he can only do it through the disruption because we drift and he gets our attention. And it's through that trial that God often refines our faith and makes us a little bit more like Jesus. 
You know, Richard Rohr has written on uh, something that he calls the liminal space. You should Google that later. But liminal space is transitional space. It means to occupy a position that's between boundaries or between thresholds. The picture I have in my mind is the pilgrims who uh, migrated to this continent. And they left England, but before they arrived in the new world, they were just in between. 102 souls spent 66 days at sea, and they were not in Plymouth, and they were not in America yet. They were in between. We are in that space right now. And Richard Rohr writes about this, that we often want to like speed this time up. We want to get through it, get to the other side, get to our new world, to our new thing. But he says that we, should, we shouldn't hurry this process, that we shouldn't just try to get on to the next thing because remaining in this space as long as possible grows us. This is where we grow in the liminal space We don't grow in success or in the spotlight. We grow through failure, right? We grow in the dark times and we grow through trials. I imagine that some of you have been thinking about this this week. It's like, what can you see that God is already doing through this disruption? What is he doing in you? What is is he causing you to think about? You know, I... um, I follow someone from our church. Her name's Julia Rogoff. She's, I often tease her that she's a pastor to more people than I am. She has about 4,000 followers on her uh, Facebook uh, group called Go Bananas. It's a site or a Facebook page for families who have children with special needs. And she shepherds these families through Facebook. And I was watching a little live um, thing that she did the other day. And she was, she was talking about how she had been forcing herself to think about what are the good things? She's been intentional. What are the good things that are coming because of this in her life? And she talked about her daughter who she said, you know, she has been so happy just to be home and to be with her that she's thriving right now and she's learning things that she wasn't learning before and she's loving being home. She also talked about how she's talking to her family more uh, where her daughter would go to school and, but even in, even in that space, she said previously that, you know, she would just text her family because she was so busy. And now even though that her daughter's home 24 seven, She says she's taking time to actually talk to her family and hear their voice. She also said that she's finding herself uh, making intricate designs as she vacuums the carpet. So there are all kinds of good things that can come from this. Disruptions will always be something that God can use to turn us back toward him. And I don't know who's watching. This is, I get no feedback other than the four people that are in this room with me right now. But 
I imagine a lot of you are regular Sunridge people. And then um, some of you are like, you're kind of exploring faith and maybe somebody sent you this link. Some of you used to go to Sunridge or it's been a long time since you've gone to Sunridge or any other church. And you, you're like, this whole thing has kind of like made you start to think about God again. Some of you are thinking about just like renewing your relationship with God. Some of you are thinking about just initiating for the first time a relationship with God. And some of you are thinking about how this disruption can cause the roots of your faith to go deeper. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God loves every one of us. And he doesn't leave us the way we are, but he loves us the way we are. And whether you're just trying to grow deeper today or you're, you're really scared and, and you've wa- you're watching this sermon online because you're trying to find answers. God's ears are always open and his heart is always open as well. This disruption can make our new normal better if we turn back to God, if we seek him, if we take the faith that we have and we make on purpose intentional decisions for the roots of our faith to go deeper. Lastly, our new normal can be better through this disruption if we determine this, that we're gonna be there for each other through the disruption, that we're gonna be there. I'm gonna talk more about this next Sunday on our, on, on our live podcast because I wanna talk about what it means to be the church, which do you know that that word actually means assembly? How are we going to be the church today in a socially distanced world? That's what we're going to be talking about next week. But we have to be there for each other right now. And it's really easy during a disaster or a pandemic or when we're socially distancing from one another to lose track of one another and for people to fall through the cracks. I know somebody that hasn't been in church in a long time. And they said about the church in general, that we talk a good game. We talk a lot about being there for each other. But often we're not. I think about in Luke 15, where Jesus told a story about lost things. There's a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. And the sheep wanders away out of ignorance. That's how sheep end up getting lost. The the lost son, the prodigal, is lost intentionally, he rebels against God. But the coin to me, the coin is lost, it could, only, it could only be lost through carelessness. And for me, that represents the people that fall through the cracks in a time like this. We have to be there for each other. Now, I know I've talked in the past about, in fact, the recent past of, you know, churches can have like a, an unhealthy dependency on a pastor or a pastoral staff or even on their church. You know, in times like this, the church is to be the church and, um, but we don't just need pastors right now. We don't just need the church to do something. We need each other. 
because pastors and staff members, they all struggle too. We're all human beings and we're scared. But you know what? We're in this together. And the question is, how are we going to do this together? In fact, if you're still listening, type in your comments right now, together, because that's the way we have to do this. That's why we started Zoom groups that Jed talked about at the beginning of our service. We, we want to stay connected. It's one of the ways that we can do this because I need you and you need me. It reminds me of a song, I love you, you love me. We're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? Barney. That's the children's message for today. I think it's important for us to talk about how we need to be here for each other because disruptions can turn us inward. They can make us selfish. Human beings are prone to push the weak out of the boat. Didn't we all read Lord of the Flies in junior high school? And have you noticed that as stress goes up, so does conflict? Disruption causes anxiety, anxiety causes stress, and stress causes conflict. It's every man for himself. Survival. Do we see that today? Can you say panic buying? People seem to be going crazy right now. I'm going to put a picture up here that's been blurred, but these, this is a picture of one of our members, uh, a strong man who, uh, this is a picture of his legs that we've intentionally blurred because he was in Costco near the toilet paper area and a woman rammed him with her shopping cart. And we had to blur this out a little bit. Can everybody put in their comments right now, ouch? I also heard a story this week of a woman who was in one of our department stores and um, there was someone there who had a cart full of toilet paper before they put the toilet, the single toilet paper package uh, rule into play. And she asked the woman, can, can I have one of those? And the woman said, no. And do you know that she took a package out of her cart anyway and just stared at her and then walked away? <laughs> I don't know. I find humor in that. It's like we just, we can get so selfish. And, and I'm really concerned that our society right now is not really poised well to take good care of each other. We've been narrowing our categories in recent years and putting on our jerseys and only fighting for our team so that we win. And that doesn't really set us up to do this together. I'm hoping that this will be an epiphany for our country, but certainly for the church. We should lead the way. We should lead the way in how Christ followers respond to disruption. You know, Paul is addressing that when he talks about the church being like a human body. In 1 Corinthians 12, 26, he says that if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are 
church, the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You see, when part of our body hurts, like our arm, that's not detached from us. We don't, we don't, if someone asks us how we're doing, we don't say, well, everything's fine, but my arm isn't doing good. We say, my arm hurts because this arm is me. Disruptions then should, should give us empathy. I don't know if you've been watching the news. I'm sh- I guess I'm sure you have. Some of you have just turned it off and given up. But like, did you watch the spring break partiers in Florida, my home state? where they were being encouraged to go home and they were just saying, no, you know, I deserve to party. I've earned this. So if I get coronavirus, I get coronavirus. And thankfully the governor there finally shut down the beaches. But that, that version is like, I heard it in a smaller version in a family this week where, you know, kids are stuck at home. They're going bonkers. They're bored. They're, they're inconvenienced. And, and of course, they're gonna complain. And one of our parents was talking to their children. They said, well, I know it's boring to be home. And, and, I, you know, like, and I know you're not sick, but think about people that you love. Think about the people in our circle that we know that are important to us, like your grandpa, who's 71. Do, do we want him to get sick? Think about other people, basically. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. We need to take good care of each other. And I'm hoping that more of us grasp through this disruption, the suffering that's in the world and outside of our little world, the disruptions that our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are facing and have been going on long before this one. Because we must be there for each other. If you're still with us, type that in. We need each other. That's like saying amen on online church, by the way. I'm going to ask Ben and Jed to come up, and they've actually written a song uh, that applies, and so they're going to close out this service uh, by singing it for us. But while they're coming, I just want to say that I'm so grateful for the reliable world that God has made. You know, there's, there's gravity. So water's always going to flow downhill. And the sun comes up and the sun goes down every day. And there are seasons. So that in the fall leaves fall and in the spring leaves spring anew. But there are also disruptions. And we're in the middle of one. It's our turn. The question is, what are we going to do with it, Sunridge? What are we going to do with it? Are we going to be able to look at it and acknowledge the pain that's there and allow that, whatever struggle we're experiencing, whatever anxiety, anxiety to take us back to God? And are we going to be there for each other? That's the question. Let's pray.